You are listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. Joe, it's cold outside. No, that was like 10 minutes ago. It's it's pretty warm now. What? Is it? Yeah, yeah. Just 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 uh, you know, pop pop some lewds and then in the in the uh, when you wake up it's going to be like 90. So. Oh, wait a minute. I just got an alert. It's 35. It, was it an amber alert? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're like warning the warm weather warmth. has been kidnapped. <laughs> But it'll probably be back any second. That's living in Austin, Texas for you. Yeah, it's Russian roulette with weather. And, and you know, everyone we know getting sick because the body's not used to being subjected back and forth of extremes of temperatures. Well, and let's be honest, we know a lot of people that do heroin, so... Do we? Oh, come on. Wow. Yeah. Well, something new Everybody who has the sniffles... Heroin. It's, it's just heroin. Mm-hmm. I knew that was Donald Trump, but mm-hmm. yeah, no, it's <laughs> it, well, it, that's a mandate now. <laughs> it's the new Trumpiverse. We, we all will be on heroin, which is good because that'll let them uh, kick back and enjoy this episode of Digital Noise. That's right. This is that episode of Digital Noise. I'm here with Joe. Hello. Joe's been kind of busy lately, so he hasn't been able to be on as much stuff, but busy in the good way, like uh, rising up in his career. Yes, uh, becoming a, a, a mogul of industry and crushing people beneath me. Wow, that's kind of exciting. Yeah, it's really great seeing so, it, <laughs> the look in somebody's eyes when he realizes he can't buy his kid a Christmas present. <laughs> it's fantastic. Uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. Let's just wait and see what happens on that one. <laughs> no, the economy can't go down. <laughs> no, I was thinking more like three ghosts are going to visit you in the middle of the night. Oh, could be. <laughs> I love company. Uh, yeah, so we have a lot of titles to talk about this week. First off, uh, as always, doing the house cleaning here. Please click on those Amazon links. On the actual Digital Noise page, you'll see images of all the titles we're talking about. If you click on one of them, it'll take you to Amazon.com. And if you buy said title, we get a healthy little kickback. But also, if you're just getting ready to do your Christmas shopping for family family and friends, please use our Amazon links to start from. You don't have to even buy the item that you clicked on. As long as you start shopping on Amazon from one of our clicks, we get a kickback from whatever you end up buying. And the the boys of one of us calendar. Get ready. <laughs> you still want to do that, huh? Yeah, it's almost here. That would kill the site instantly. Ah, but we could have a new site. <laughs> PeoplewithBadTasteCalendars.com People with bad... There's, I, there's somebody's probably already bought that. Man, yeah, I hate Web 2.0. <laughs> Uh, as well, please become a subscriber. We got more and more new stuff. We just got a bunch of video equipment, so there'll be a bunch of video stuff for subscribers on there very, very shortly. And uh, there's already a lot of stuff, a lot of podcasts, a lot of uh, specialty stuff that you can't see anywhere else on the site unless you're paying. And just getting a subscription is what keeps the site alive more than anything else. So are we going to start doing naked news on on video? Oh yeah, nice. Yeah, uh, you signed up for that. Yeah, it's the men, the boys of one of us calendar, <laughs> the the video edition. <laughs> I the only way I could see that happening was if I needed a distraction to get away from the cops or something. <laughs> well, it works. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go on to the reviews. Get started with a kind of a twofer, like two movies we're going to talk about in a row here, but uh, that are both South Korean animated films directed by Yeon Sang Ho. Now he actually got pretty big attention this year because of his movie Train to Busan, which a lot of horror fans are calling the best horror movie of the year. Is it animated too? No, that okay, is live good. action. 
Good. <laughs> but this guy definitely, from watching these two films, likes really bleak, bloody, horrifying stuff. He's not having a good life. No, he really <laughs> is not. The first one is uh, The King of Pigs. It is the story of uh, this guy. He's like... We see, when we see him, he's just this guy's just murdered this woman that we find out later is his wife. Lips to doodles. Uh, and he decides to go and find this guy he was friends with in middle school. Uh, and they sit down and they have a long conversation, and it starts flashing back to through their conversation about middle school and what happened. And they were the absolute bottom of the, like the biggest nerds. It was a really depressing episode of the wonder years. It really was. And they ended up getting a third friend who was kind of like, uh, it was like one of those, it wasn't so much. He was a badass so much as that. Like he just would take no shit. No yeah. The what fucks he gave was equal or less than zero. Exactly. Started scaring off the bullies. But as this goes along, it becomes clear that, uh, there's a reason this dude totally lost his mind as an adult, mm-hmm. you know, despite <laughs> the things are like, Hey, it looks like everything's going fine after a while in well, high school. I, I got the impression from this, that, that, uh, South Korean public school is a hazard and should be avoided at all costs. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, we've certainly seen films that are pretty nasty about these school years from like both English and, and uh, American and even jerk. Well, especially jerk. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but they, they weren't discovering themselves sexually. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, this is, I mean, it's really, really high end animation. It's, is it? but it's ugly. It's intentionally, but it's very, it's all hand drawn stuff. I thought it was, it's, it's, I thought it was poorly animated. Really? I thought it was very detailed. Nah, really? I, there was so much missing. Like considering like what Korean animation houses will do for other, other projects and other studios. Mm-hmm. I thought it really was fell short of the mark. No, I did not have that problem with this. I actually thought it was, uh, had a kind of a distinctive look and was, was very attractive. Kind of like you, Joe. Well, yeah, I do have a distinctive look, but that's just because of my mustachio. Anyway, this is for people who really want to explore the darker side of animated films. And it, the one thing I question I have when I watch this is, why is this even animated? No, that uh, for for both of these, that was my main. It bitch, seems like was, it would have been so much cheaper. Well, not only cheaper, but but you know, South Korean cinematography is often really fantastically mm-hmm. beautiful, and this just was bland and boring. Like I said, I liked it myself. I also liked the other film we got from him, The Fake. Uh, although the fake is even harder to watch. <laughs> uh, although this is definitely sort of something like for you atheists out there, if you want to watch something that's going to make you feel good about yourselves and then totally hate yourself and then maybe feel good <laughs> a little bit, but then end totally hating yourself. This is probably the fake with the biggest prick. Another animated film, by the way, uh, biggest prick imaginable has just come back to his small village in Korea and I mean he's like an alcoholic and he beats his wife and, and daughter and he's just like everybody in the town hates him but they kind of put up with him because they're scared of him and yeah he, I'm not sure why because I mean he can't really take a punch very well no he really can't uh, meanwhile there's a faith healer that has moved into town that the town is slowly starting to almost in a, almost in a horror movie sort of way all buy into his faith healing that's mm-hmm. real but Turns out there's actually a, he believes it, but there's actually a con man who's working yeah, him and he, the he's town. He's not people. in on the con. <laughs> no, he's not in on the con himself. Yeah, exactly. And this kind of the story of this guy is like, who's awful. He doesn't have a single redeeming quality. Who is so mad that everyone in this town is finding faith in this guy that he's just kind of going around and punching people. Yeah, he kind of stumbles onto the con basically. Yeah, uh, and like as a 
by the end, you're like, wow, there is truly no one who is innocent in this in this world. <laughs> yeah. Even the people you feel sorry for early on are like, oh, well, they're just like, they don't know what's happening. You're like, oh, my God, they're worse than anybody. Yeah, screw all these people. <laughs> this guy is not a happy person, this director. I'm telling you, somebody should put him on suicide watch. Uh, or just tell him no more animations. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, people keep saying Train to Busan's really good, but apparently it's more of a straightforward. It's zombies on a train. That's cool. A little more straightforward. I like that. Thing. Yeah, that sounds it sounds good to me. I mean, like, I once again, I thought this was really interesting. I, I did, can't say I enjoyed watching it because there's no way to enjoy something this fucking bleak and mean-spirited. <laughs> well, I, I mean, even, like, uh, the, the the revenge movies of uh, like, of the, the past 15 years, like, they're, they're really bleak, too. You mean, like, Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance? Yeah, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, but they're, like, in, astonishingly filmed. Yes, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. That adds so much to the experience, and this is just, like, you get to focus on shittiness. You're like, why aren't you, once again, why aren't you doing this live action? There's no, well, right, no I just mean, like, the shittiness of the people. Oh, there's, yeah. There's, like, no nuance. Like, the the, the, the facial expressions that, that the actors could have uh, conveyed versus just, like, all right, we wrote this. Okay, all right. <laughs> okay, let me draw a little bit of a mouth twitch, but not much. You know, stuff like that. Okay, and once again, I didn't have the same problem with the animation that you did, but uh, I still would have much rather have seen this in live action. I think it would have been more affecting, and there's no really good reason to do this as an animated film. And the music wasn't very good, and that that, that was really disappointing for me, because usually Korean uh, uh, cinema has some really great soundtracks <laughs> and scores. <laughs> what are you doing? Oh, are you, like, I, waving your hand in the air? Well, I just don't want a kitty to knock over a drink. Oh, okay. So I didn't know there was a drink yeah. over there. I was trying to figure out what you were teasing, making this gesticulation. Well, no, I'm, I'm, like, I'm basically just I trying to do the bat dance. Signal? Okay. Uh, next up, moving to Japan for the original Dark Water. Now, you may have uh, – this is from 2002. You may have seen the one, the American remake with Jennifer Connelly in it uh, as well. This has been coming up in the news lately because there was that – story from what i think it was like four years ago that just now seems to be reaching the internet about the girl who disappeared at, at this hotel in la who was mm -hmm. like filmed like just kind of talking to herself oh yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. The and then they found her in the water tank on the roof Oops, and all was... her clothes folded up neatly beside it but the tank was locked they still can't figure out how she got into it. Man, she was a ninja. <laughs> kind of like, weird. Well, Dark Water has some similar stuff going on there. Uh, and this is from Hideo Nakata, who is definitely one of the sort of – basically the guy who kicked off J-Horror with, with Ringu when he first made that. Uh, and Dark Water is definitely not as uh, – as uh well ringer's not exactly fast paced but it's slower paced than that <laughs> <laughs> but even so it's less of a horror film for most of its run it's more sort of like a mother daughter drama yeah yeah and and, and it's not poorly done no and, and what i really liked is the daughter wasn't a shithead and the mom wasn't a shithead yeah they were both very nice people who yeah. actually they the movie did spend enough time getting to know them that mm -hmm. you're like okay i don't feel like they're just cardboard cutout characters right. but at the same time you genuinely like them and feel bad for them there in this scenario which is moving into an apartment her husband wants to get the kid back no matter what and he's just cuz basically yeah he's a he's a vengeful spiteful prick yes uh and she just wants to keep her child she's in this new place and she notices that like the ceiling keeps getting damp and water keeps dripping and she keeps finding other places in this uh com complex she's living in where there's just water dripping everywhere which intensifies to the point of eventually becoming more like a horror movie hey basically i blame everything that happened on the maintenance guy in the building yeah 
Yeah, because he was just like, eh, it's an old building. What you going to do? Uh, yeah, that's true. Uh, he should have just said, that's weird. There's like a shit ton of black woman's hair coming out of every faucet. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> These people need to stop complaining. <laughs> that's strange. Oh, well, back to my porno. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, so the, the reviewer copy that we got was just a, you know, a, a white-faced disc. Yeah. And, and so at first, for, I was mentally thinking, we're reviewing the Pirates of Darkwater? <laughs> no, although that would be interesting. Yeah, no, this is from Arrow Films, who always, who takes these little, some sometimes hidden gems, sometimes should have stayed, stayed hidden. Mm-hmm. Um, this one being one of those ones that, like, I don't think it's one of the best of J-Horror, but it's certainly a, a fascinating film. No, it's 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 really good. It's it's a nice time. You don't feel like you've wasted anything. And but. Arrow, even though the, the I wasn't crazy about the video upgrade on this one, the video was not that great. Well, I mean, but also that's that's a problem with the cinematography of the time. It could be. Is that it was, you know, turn of the millennia, yet it still looked like it was vaguely mid-80s mm-hmm. quality. And, like, Ichi the Killer has that problem that's true um i wish somebody would put out a really sweet re- remake of it or, or not remake but uh re-release uh, yeah i don't know i think people have forgotten about that part of Mike. i would just love to get a Mike box set but it would be like the size of your arm you know yeah and <laughs> and uh if anybody watched saw you watching it they'd ask a lot of questions they, about yes you. they would well this being arrow of course you get lots of bonus features here including interviews with the director with uh, the director of photography as well. There's a making of featurette, uh, interview with actors, what have you, promo materials, stuff about the the musician who scored it. You know, pr- as about as thorough as you can get for a film that like largely resonates with a just a very niche audience. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like I said, if you really like that period of J-Har, it's one of those, yeah, you really should see it. And the little girl does not do annoying Japanese child acting, which I really appreciated. That's true. Although she didn't, like, you know, her hair wasn't long enough to be a typical Japanese horror actress, so. Luckily. <laughs> um, and then, there, wait, well, that was weird. Did I hit the wrong button? I think I hit the wrong button. Uh, yes, I did, because I'm tired. It's been a long weekend. <laughs> it's been a long road getting from there to here. Are you are you making fun of me because I was watching Supernatural all day No, long? it's just been a long time. But your time is finally here. <laughs> uh, staying in Japan, so, or not, no, I'm sorry, going to China, we've got Skip Trace, which people will mark as the point that probably a lot of people said... I give up, Jackie Chan. I, I don't know if I can watch any more of this shit you keep well, pumping out. Well, <laughs> so I was at Walmart today, and there was a big old uh, end cap with Skip Trace and then everything that was uh, in the the previews before Skip Trace started. Mm-hmm. And it's like, why are you going to charge people full price for this? This is just so horrific. You know, yeah. I saw the carnage in front of my own eyes. Yeah, yeah. This, And, you know, you go, well, how bad could it be? I mean, you said it was a Hong Kong Jackie Chan film. But generally, those are better than the American ones. Like, well, it's all in English. And, and it's a Hong Kong American action comedy. Directed by who? Directed by Ronnie Hart. There we go. <laughs> and you think, uh, uh, okay, well, but I like Deep Blue Sea. Well, sure. Yeah. My hat was like a shark. No, that was a different one. Yeah. What was that that one? What? My hat is like a shark's fin. Yeah. LL Cool J when he that's, did the... That's Deep Blue okay, Sea. Okay, yeah. yeah. I was like, Renny Owens done some stuff I sat through. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it, it might be okay. Yeah, he teams up with Johnny Knoxville. Mm-hmm. Which uh-huh. is something no one in the world – who thought this was a good idea? <laughs> was it just Johnny Knoxville can't get work in America anymore? Is that what it is? Uh, I think he just wanted to wear that really slick outfit. 
Yeah, he wears a lot of slick outfits in this film in general. This once again, Jackie Chan is playing a Hong Kong police detective. But at least this time, his name is Benny. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Why don't they just call him Jackie in all of them? I don't. That understand. should be in his writer. Uh, he's been tracking this crime boss called the Matador, who he believes this one businessman, Victor Wong, is, but nobody really believes him including his own police captain like Mm-mm. it's always thought like there is no such person as the matador it's just an urban legend right uh and so through a series of like improbable s- scenarios he ends up uh being the one to take johnny knoxville who he is arrested back to china don't even ask like seriously it's like the level of complication of film like this doesn't even well, require he's technically he's trying to go back to macau yeah macau uh and, of course, that ends up being like a – I mean, they're trying to make a midnight run. It's so weird because they're adversarial, but then through trials and tribulations, they learn to appreciate each other. That's so weird. But, but then, they, then they hate so each other original. again. And then they like each other again <laughs> like five times. What is the best film of that trope? Probably 48 Hours maybe? Uh, Silver Streak? No, that is the wrong answer. <laughs> <laughs> You get the big red X on the screen. Yeah, it's just like, this is just so stupid. And even most of the martial arts aren't very good. Bad, yeah. And like, like, hell, all right, so Jackie Chan films you used to see at least for one thing. He would always do one spectacular stunt. Here, that one stunt is so clearly on a green screen. Mm-hmm. You're like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, uh, why, why, why would I watch this? I mean, before it was like, it was exciting. We liked Jackie Chan originally because he was really doing those things. And I don't care that he's too old to do them now. <laughs> then maybe he should step behind the camera and let other people yeah, do, be willing to do the big crazy stuff. So after the, after the opening, when it comes back and Jackie's still hot on the trails of the Matador, he's teamed up with uh, these two younger cops. And I'm thinking, Awesome. They're going to handle all the, the freaky stuff. And that just never pans out. No, it really does. There's so many points where you're like, oh, this is going to go like, you know, we're about to get to the Jackie Chan movie material. Right. Yeah. Works. You know, it's going to happen. Just, it's gonna... It, it never really happens. Yeah. Something like a gets... super hot Russian chick shows up. So he's yeah. all muscly. And you're like, OK, now it's time. No, no, it's not on now. <laughs> no, it's, it's clearly off. Uh, Fan Bing Bang is in this. Who I actually do like Fan Bing Bang. Uh, she's in. Almost anything that requires a hot Asian female these days. Well, I mean, this was this was an all-star lineup of like I've seen that dude before. Uh, almost everybody in this, if you watch a lot of Chinese films, you're like, yeah, I recognize all these people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but who cares? It's a terrible script. It's not a very good movie. It's not the worst Jackie Chan movie of the last ten years. In but... the opening, you figure out what the end, what the big reveal is. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's no <laughs> way you could not figure it out. <laughs> yeah. I, I just. It's just embarrassment. I like at this point, I'm ready to just stop watching Jackie Chan films. I'm like, if you allow yourself to put out shit like this and that one he did with uh, uh, with John Cusack, yeah. <laughs> holy shit, man, what is <laughs> the, going the on? The pre Matt Damon movie. All right, so let's move all the way over to another part of the world here, uh, to what is it, Denmark, for the, their submission. One of their three films shortlisted for this year's Academy Award for Best Foreign Language Film, which is Men and Chicken. Now, here's the deal. We all love Mads Mikkelsen right now. We do. Partially because he's so good at Hannibal. We were yeah. like, damn, that was good. But he's like, he's this guy who's so great at playing ice-cold, creepy roles. Well, get ready for a Mads Mikkelsen you've never seen before. What? How can he be wacky? I actually, this is one of those films, I know, like, through Draft House Films, and Tim League, who owns the Alamo Draft House, 
totally loves this and he loves Scandinavian wacky comedies and mm-hmm. I tend I've only agreed with them on a few of them like the first clown was really really good he was mm-hmm. right on that one and then this one is actually pretty fucking funny but it's so twisted there are people who are just going to be like backing away slowly when the first reveal of what's going on happens <laughs> well pretty much everybody you encounter is a mutant yeah, yeah, it's it's um like that movie Freaked, except more disturbing. Yeah, well, I mean, like even the normal people yeah. are are weirdos. Uh, he plays one of two brothers, um, David Den- Densick, who is also kind of a, a recognizable actor from that part of the world in his own right. Um, they're both kind of fucked up. They both have a big like uh, cleft palate. Mm-hmm. Uh, they um n- neither one of them is particularly attractive. Mads Mikkelsen's character insists that like he's the master of the ladies, but the truth is he just masturbates constantly and compulsively. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, whereas his other brother is like really smart, but has no social skills of any kind. Mm-hmm. And they find out when their father dies that they're both actually adopted half-brothers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so mm-hmm. that father wasn't their real brother. So they or Their father wasn't their real father. So they go out to try and find their biological father, who was a geneticist that specialized in stem cell research out on the island of Orc, only to find that they have three other half-brothers who all have that same cleft palate as well and are all equally fucked up in their Strange, own way yeah, yeah. And, yeah, uh, and are treated like they're not very welcome because they're not because they're not but eventually sort of ick their way into the house like no we this house belongs to us as much as it does you only the brother's like well you can't see father right now you can't see him which of course is like the the big reveal later on when it comes is about dad and what he was doing and what that has to do with all these brothers and who their mothers were that is in another movie would have been like a huge horror movie shock and here it's just kind of laugh out loud funny. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know, I really like this one but I can see how it's not for everybody. I was I was just kind of nonplus about it. I was like, oh, okay, I get it. I did like seeing uh the, the Mads being kooky. Yeah, and who was and, shockingly impulsive. Really good at it. Yeah. He, he was really good at being goofy comedy. I was like, I never would have imagined for a second. Kind of surprised there's not much in the way of bonus features on here, though, for a draft mm. house film. Mm-hmm. There's like a booklet that comes with it, uh, you know, with a director statement and a few stills and disc credits, and that's about it. Yeah. It's yeah. like it's draft house films dry. usually put a few more things, or maybe there was just nothing available. I'm thinking not. But it was a recent film. I mean, it was like literally, it was, you know, very recent. So I don't know. Kind of disappointed. That's all I'm saying. Well, they were working on the sequel, so. I doubt that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then there's, going back to America, The Night of the Grizzly. Now, the last time I brought up an old Western that was getting a a select release, I was very surprised by how much I liked it. Johnny Guitar. Mm -hmm. I was a big fan of it. I was like, oh, really, really recommending. Wow, this is a hidden gem. Night of the Grizzly is not a hidden gem. No, for fuck's sake. (laughs) I can't understand why this is even getting a prestige release. I mean, were you like, it's not like there's anybody really famous. Well, I mean, there are people who are recognizable, like Jack Elam, who is in every Western ever made. Right. <laughs> or, or the big guy from a dirty dozen. Yeah. Um, and it's like the main guy is Clint Walker, who was like, okay, he's best known for a TV show that no one remembers anymore called Cheyenne. <laughs> you know, it's like you weren't even good enough to be on Gunsmoke. Nope, sorry. Um, and he is. He's just so generic. He's like, well, I guess we'll go see about that then. Check out my my grandpa uh, buff bod with uh, 40, 40 pounds of motor oil in my hair. 
it's this, he plays the guy Jim Cole with along his wife and his children and his niece and his friend, his old, well, I'm going to go see what's going on with the chickens. Yeah, you're going to get some nanner from uh, What's-Her-Face from the <laughs> Beverly Hillbillies. Right. <laughs> uh, they've inherited a ranch. And they go there, and there's a rich dude who wants who wants to figure out a way to buy the ranch back, and he doesn't want to sell the ranch. And there's friction with the rich guy's kids who have no sense of self control whatsoever, no, no. and just keep getting their ass kicked by Big Jim Cole yep. whenever they stir up trouble. And all of this is really just there to fill up running time until they can get to the point where the title's about, <laughs> which is that bear. there's a crazed old giant bear wandering around that keeps killing all their livestock, and so they're going to have to, you know, it's either kill it or they'll have to get rid of the farm. Mm-hmm. You know, you're like, okay, so what does the rest of that have to do with any of this, really? Well, I mean, let's let's try to draw this damn movie out as long as possible. <laughs> I, it really did feel endless. I'm like, mm-hmm. why are who remembers this film fondly? No, this is like the ending of AI. It just <laughs> never happened. It's like, I, I like Olive films, and I like a lot of the films they've chosen to do signature editions for, but this one was mystifying to me. I, mm. I don't understand why they thought this one was this special. Is, this is why quota systems are bad. What do you mean? Like, well, we gotta put something out. <laughs> well, what about the grizzly thing? Oh, Fine. But they do fill it up with extras, even a commentary track uh, and lots of interviews with people there, rare archival footage from the world premiere of the film. I mean, why this stuff still exists when we're missing whole episodes of Doctor Who, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, it comes with the, the, the Clint Walker home gymnasium workout. I mean, oh, yeah. There you go. <laughs> Thank God for that. Yeah. He was a pretty big dude. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was genetics, though. Yeah, it totally was. That guy would have been big no matter what. It's not fair, I tell you. <laughs> and then there is the two films that came to me from uh, the first time I've ever gotten anything from from Vinegar Syndrome, the distributor, mm-hmm. which I've been trying to get stuff from forever because they put out some of the craziest shit that's mm-hmm. on Blu-ray. Yeah, clearly. And, and so far, they're the only people who've put out stuff that I have never even heard of. But then enjoyed anyway. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm like, wow, where did you find? Well, the first one. Death Row Game Show. That's right. Death Row Game Show. (laughs) It's actually the name of this movie. Like, super low-budget film that the protagonist is the host of the, you know, basically a running man type show except with a zero-dollar budget, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And he's the good guy. Who's doing this? Only he falls in love with a crusader for for human rights. I think he falls in boner with her. He falls in boner with her, fair enough. But decides, I'm willing to give all that up if if, if we figure out who's trying to kill the both of us now out of revenge for the Death Row game show. And it's super, I mean, it's just overwhelmingly goofy. Mm -hmm. But I got to admit, I actually laughed a lot watching this. Well, it it was cute because it was like, I think this is commentary on the 80s, but... Who cares? Because this is just ridiculous. These poor bastards put this out literally the same weekend as The Running Man and had no idea The Running Man was coming out. Oh, ouch. Yeah. <laughs> I will not buy that for a dollar. Yeah. And then they ended up changing the marketing to like copy The Running Man's after they realized, <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's one of those like it's filled with tits, of course. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of like gratuitous nude shots. And it markets itself as kind of more of a horror, but it's not a horror no. at all. It's a, it's a black comedy. And for something that costs 20 bucks, it's 
pretty goddamn watchable anyway. Yeah, and I, I, I love the, the, the protagonist because he really is like Chit Whitley. Yeah. It's more RoboCop than it is Running Man, you know, in mm. the sense that it's all this sort of like really exaggerated satire of a fascist society. Yes. You know, uh, and some of it actually works, like I said. But I, I'm shocked that I'm actually recommending this saying, okay, I had fun with it. Don't I wouldn't say buy it. But if you see it streaming somewhere or <laughs> Go somebody's got a copy you could borrow, it's totally worth watching. And they fill it up with extra features, including a commentary uh, with the writer-director Mark Pirro and two of the actors, the main actors. Uh, there's an intro from Pirro. Uh, there is a 32-minute making-of featurette that's actually pretty funny in and of itself with these people like, what, what are we doing here? <laughs> <laughs> you sure my check's going to clear? Yeah. Um, and uh, there's a director's cut that's pretty much the exact same thing, except it adds CGI blood and CGI electricity. I did think that's what it was missing. Yeah. No, I don't <laughs> think it was. Uh, and then there's two sh- – I'm sorry, th- uh, two shorts by the uh, the original director that I, I found kind of unwatchable. I couldn't get through. The, the image quality was too crappy. But uh, I guess for completists of that huge death row game show cult – yeah, yeah <laughs> you got drinking that games there. and whatnot. Uh, the other one here that they put out is kind of similar. We could almost describe it in this a lot of the same terms, not plot, but in, in ways like, hey, it's an excuse for lots of tits and really weird black comedy, but not a lot of actual horror. And that's Nightmare Sisters, mm-hmm. uh, which was also, I believe it was known as like Sorority Sisters. Uh, it had a couple different titles. The real reason to watch this is if you're a hardcore fan of horror in the 80s, this is only one of two times that the three most famous scream queens of the 80s were all together in one movie. Mm, and indeed, okay. naked throughout like 50% of it. Well, one thing that I've learned by both of these releases is that perhaps Vinegar, uh, I was going to say Strokes Syndrome, <laughs> should change their name to Bolted On. <laughs> Bolted On? Because that's really what they, they uh, excel at is sh- uh, shots of uh, implants in the 80s. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is Linnea Quigley, Brink Stevens, and Michelle Bauer, who all have had their highlight films where you're like, oh, that's the ones that they're good in. No one would say Nightmare Sisters is one of the ones <laughs> they're good in. But it's another one that has that same type of humor as Death Row Game Show. Watching it, we're like, I can't believe how did this even fucking get made? But it's not boring. Yeah, I would say, though, that uh, for all you millennials who are easily offended by racial humor, the yeah. opening of this is just Pretty bad. not for you. <laughs> yeah, they play three totally nerdy sorority sisters, which begs the question, how did they get into a sorority? Uh, yeah. But they decide they really want to get laid, so they invite three nerdy fraternity pledges. Who, once again, how did they get in? Yeah, well, apparently, they, they're even though they're living in the fraternity, the we see the three evil frat brothers who lord over them who are always like, man, we're totally not going to let them in this frat. And it's like, they're living in the frat. That's <laughs> not how it works. Anyway, so the guys go over there, and things that nobody, they have no social skills, and so nothing's really sparking and one of the girls is like oh i bought a crystal ball at a uh at a yard sale and, and hey look i got this spell book yeah <laughs> let's try it for fun and then of course the three girls get it possessed by succubuses they take off all their clothes and they start chasing the guys around the house who are too nerdy to know what to do yeah and they shimmy a, their a shoulders. naked hot girl who wants sex yeah <laughs> shimming their shoulders so sexily that 80s shimmy yeah yes they are and the, the 80s hair bounce 
I mean, yeah, this is another one of those, like, you can see why this has been forgotten by time, but it's certainly an entertaining watch. This is totally one of these, just like Death Row Game Show, if you're one of those people who uh, it's your week for bad movie night to bring something, and if you yep. want to bring something, everyone will clap you on the back for and go, okay, <laughs> that was definitely one of the more fun bad movies we've watched for a while. And maybe we should stop doing this night. <laughs> <laughs> we used to do them where it was bad movies and bad beer. Mm-hmm. Where one person was in charge of getting the movies, and one person was in charge of getting the worst, cheapest beer they could find. We, we, and we had to, to stop that. one night, one time, when the beer was so bad, it, we all thought we were poisoned. We, <laughs> we used to do that, but with uh, bum wine. Bum wine? Yeah. Oh, you mean like Mad Dog 44 in 2020? <laughs> yeah, yeah stuff like that. Like, if, if if you can't get it in its own paper bag, then you can't drink then it. Then it's no, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't know. This is a, this, I, I liked Death Row Game Show much better than this one, but it's still fun. And like I said, they're the, they, they've got their own little piece of history there that they are the, uh, the most famous scream queens from that period of time who were in, like, unbelievably, these three actresses, none of which are terribly good actresses, no. were in everything. Hey, they got work. They got more work than your average actor today who we know on a first-name <laughs> basis. You're just like, Jesus Christ, how do you were in, like, 150 movies in, in, like, five years? It's insane. And this also has, like, a couple different extras. Uh, funny that there's a blooper reel for this. Like, how in the... Who, yeah, who saved was, blooper reels was, from yeah, this Yeah, no, I watched that. It was like, oh, man. And then the weirdest thing is, all right, so there's a TV edited version of this, only it's not just edited. This They made this, like, I believe it was, like, five or six years later when they wanted to do it. So they had to bring the actresses back in to refilm the scenes with clothes on. Oh, wow. And doing different stuff. And it's just one of those, like, there's no mistaking the fact that this is not... <laughs> time has passed. Time has passed, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this is like, not to go out of your way for either one of these, but they are genuinely fun. Yes. Um, I really enjoyed Lights Out, and not everybody I know did. This is a, a, a wide horror release yes. uh, based on the, the short film, and they actually... Rare in the rarest of rare, they actually got the guy who made the original short film, David F. Sandberg, and didn't just hand him a bunch of money and said, "Now go away." They were like, "No, you get to actually come in and direct the whole fucking movie." Hey, come movie. on, buddy, we'll get you a step stool. Yeah, it's kind of like a dream there for a lot of young directors. It really, like, is. yeah. You just put a short on the internet, and next thing you know, you've got uh, James Wan calling you up, going, "I want to produce your film and make a big, wide theatrical." So everybody film. that just have that expectation if you're a filmmaker. That That's this exactly what you. happens every time. Mm, new standard. Uh, yeah. So I mean, if you saw saw the the short, you know the the premise is that there are these ghosts that can only. Uh, that are active and can hurt you if there's darkness. Right. But if the lights are on, they just disappear instantly. But, of course, they're also really good at making the lights start to flicker and then go out, yeah, too. Yeah, kind of dicks. As they do. That's not the most complicated thing in the world. It's just the original short was genuinely creepy, mm-hmm. the way they did it. And I felt like this actually took great advantage of the same thing that made that short so creepy and effective. I thought they managed to translate into an hour-and-a-half horror film. Mm-hmm. What did you think? I, I thought it was all right. Uh, I mean, getting to see uh, Bella's dad iced in the first five minutes was satisfying. <laughs> yeah, he's the first person <laughs> to, to, to die. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think it was competent. I, I just did not like the haircut of uh, the main boyfriend. So y- your criticism of this film is based on the haircut of the main boyfriend. Yeah, and it's a valid viewpoint. <laughs> I, it's hard for me to know even what to say. <laughs> Alexander de Persia, you ruined it for everyone. No, whoever handled your hair ruined it for everyone. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, like I said, I had fun with this. It moves really quick. Yeah, I mean, it's as dumb as any gimmick horror film is in its way, but I thought they were really good at 
creating their mythology and then sticking to it like glue, not like going, oh, now we're going to do this because fuck it, it's a horror movie. Who cares? Like so yeah. many do. Yeah, they no, like, it was. It was. They were like, these are the rules. And we're not going to break them. Yeah, it, it was definitely it played by its own rules. It really did. Yeah, which is which is really important for anything that's set, like especially horror when it sets up something like like there's here's a killer and they can only do this and this and if suddenly yeah, they but can, now we can fly. but if they cheap out and go like oh we forgot to mention that also even though we said earlier they couldn't do this now they can because we need this movie down. <laughs> uh, Lights out just comes with uh, 14 minutes of deleted scenes, which apparently is uh, an entire nine-minute coda for the film. Like, there was a whole... One of the deleted scenes is the last nine minutes of the film that huh. decided to be cut out because test audiences didn't like it. Apparently, I didn't get around to watching that stuff. Apparently, it's widely considered to be, a, a like, a good thing that they cut it. Well, because it ends, like, they pop up the end and then a question mark slowly fades <laughs> in. <laughs> it says, lights out, will return. <laughs> No, for some reason it said Doctor Strange will return at the end. I couldn't figure well, out why. He's not even in this fucking Well, thing. I mean, in the sequel he might. Extended Universe. Be, somebody call Cargill and find out. Um, speaking of Extended Universes, then there's Star Trek Beyond. Just real quick. Yeah. Fuck you. Really? <laughs> yeah. All right, let's hear it. Fuck everything about this piece of shit movie. Okay, I'm curious to hear because I, well, I, I like this movie a lot up until Sabotage. Well, like, <laughs> okay, well, that I mean, that's a great part. No, so, like, even even going off of the, like, the Star Trek purists, like, put their arguments aside of, like, acting movies, you know, and it's, it's got... <laughs> Is that the argument? That that, that's a pretty big, like, <laughs> the, the Will Wheaton of, like... I don't know what I just saw here, but it wasn't a, a Star Trek movie. It was some sort of, like, action scene thing, like when the trailer first came out. Mm-hmm. So take that aside and just treat it as a as a regular sci-fi movie, and it's dumb as shit. Mm-hmm. Like, get it, Justin Lin directing it, and apparently if he's not around, like, Vin Diesel in Cars, uh, he's he's lost. Everyone's got to suffer for it. Like, the... the uh, the character development was just so super shitty and 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 the plot and motivations of the bad guy was just so lacking and and just the the utter wasting of the talent pool that they had on this set it was just astounding like how do you how do you take Idris Elba and just basically uh diarrhea all over him <laughs> Jesus, that's pretty much what happened. You here. really hated this movie, and the, and then the, and then they were fucked with the cutting of sabotage. Well, okay, <laughs> so I agree with you on two things. One, totally like misused Idris Elba. One thing, ninety percent of the movie, he's so covered with makeup, it's unclear. Yeah, he's even I didn't even know until yeah. until the end. And, and they just his character, the motivations of it all are all very like. But why? Yeah, no, seriously. What, what, what's your, what's <laughs> your beef? I see what you're you're saying it is, but I'm having a hard time moving forward <laughs> yeah. with that. Uh, and two, of course, the sabotage thing. I'm sorry. And people go going, what's wrong? I thought you loved the Beastie Boys. Are you listening to me? It's not <laughs> that I don't love the Beastie Boys. It's that that fucking scene makes absolutely no sense. None. There's, I mean, like, even if you accept, okay, so we're in spoiler territory. I figure most people have seen Star Trek Beyond by now at this point. And I'm sorry, guys. Uh, but... Even if you believe – all right, so, so okay, what we're doing is we're basically – we got under their communication channel and we're sending them this thing that will confuse them and make them incapable of, like, being able to control their ships. No, it's, right? it's, it's the basic – Why would they all explode? Well, because – And, you, and no. someone goes, oh, well, they because they lost control ships and they banged into each other. It's like, you mean like the way they – 
Ran through ships. Drive through <laughs> ships. I think pretty much the, the top number one thing you can say about these ships is they're kind of durable. Yeah, yeah, they have the 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 market quality. Well, like, um, oh god, I'm blanking, uh, blanking on his name, uh, Spock guy, Zachary Quinto. Yeah, Zachary Quinto. Like, they didn't really give him much to do, and so Spock just became this really uh, milk toast, like cardboard cutout. Oh, I don't agree with that at all. In this one, actually, I really liked what they did with him. I mean, the whole like. He's still coming to terms with Vulcan having exploded, and then it's like double down with like, oh, and by the way, Spock Prime just died. Yeah, yeah, I know, I, I know. And like, hey, hey, you're dead. I mean, I really liked where that went with it, and I actually really liked as well that he and Carl Urban got their first ever chance to really have a bunch of scenes together yeah, buddy in the series, and they're mm-hmm. really funny together. Yeah, I just, I did, it did, he didn't click for me his his execution of it. It's just, just like. Uh, I mean, there seemed phoned in. The, I, I will agree with you that this is much like the first three, much more of an action film than it is a Star Trek film. And I got no problems with that if that's right. where you're coming from. But right. I'm just saying where they took that was was lacking. Well, see, I, I actually really enjoyed it. I thought I had a lot of fun with 90% of this thing. Uh, I, I liked where they went with most of the characters. Although, even though they give Zoe Saldana, like... She's got a lot of screen time, but doesn't actually have anything to do during that screen time. And that was one of my only complaints. She's just kind of like the one that Idris Elba can give exposition to. And that's about all she has to do in this movie. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But other than that, everybody actually gets a good deal. They have poor Anton Yelchin, who, of course, died tragically recently. Uh, They make him into a playa. Yeah. Which I thought was pretty funny. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, man, he's just getting some alien tail all over the place. It's about time. It really is. Uh, Simon Pegg, of course, since he wrote the script, gives himself a lot to do. Yes, he does. (laughs) Boy, it's crazy how much Scotty is in this film. (laughs) I don't know. I like this. I'm actually startled to hear that you hate it that much. Yeah, I really did. I really did. Well, for those who don't hate it, there's a lot of extra features on this thing, uh, including, well, only about a minute of deleted scenes, but then... There's a whole bunch of like featurettes and closer looks at uh, the the new character uh, Kalara, who I thought was great enough that I hope that they end up including her in the regular cast for the next one. Oh, I'm sure she will be. I thought she was terrific. She's gonna sell lunch boxes, probably. She's kind of hot. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So lots of you know just like these type of every Hollywood big Hollywood film is those little featurettes like a closer look at the film's villain, what it was like shooting in Dubai, things like that. You're like, okay, I, I would kind of prefer if they just did one solid. You know, here's a documentary about the making of this fucking film. Mm. <laughs> Instead of all these little, here's five minutes on this. Here's three minutes on that. Oh, yeah, I, I don't know why, but when Portman showed up as, as like head of the space station, it just really threw me for a loop. When, or who, Parkman. Parkman. Uh, the, the guy uh, from from Heroes who who was like captain of of the oh, are space you, station. Are you, are you talking about uh, Greg? Uh, what's his name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But when I saw him, it was just like... He was the cop on Heroes? Yeah, I mean, it was nothing against him. He's in every J.J. Abrams movie. Yeah, but it just took me out of it. I was like, oh, man, I'm watching Heroes. Damn it. He's kind of making that guy his Stan Lee, you know? (laughs) Like, where it's like, I'm going to sneak him into every movie I do somewhere. Or produce or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I don't feel bad for him, you know? Whatever. Uh... Then there's Batman, Return of the Caped Crusaders. Man, I'm really surprised how much I enjoyed this stupid, stupid thing. (laughs) (laughs) And it really is dumb as hell. It's a badly formed idea to take this guy who probably has trouble 
keeping food down. He's so old. Oh, Adam, Adam West. West. And then Burt Ward, who who knows what the fuck he's been doing. Probably just conventions for 40 years. Well, and, and then Julie Newmar, who sounds terrifyingly aged in this. Yes. Uh, at but, least, you know, with good reason. Yeah, I mean, she's one of those... She's aged to the point with just her voice that you can't picture her as sexy Catwoman. No. You, but, you picture her as old geriatric <laughs> woman voicing Catwoman for some so, reason. So this 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 uh, little piece had no problem taking the piss out of itself. Oh, yeah. And it was fantastic. And what what I was really impressed by was the, the little nods they would do. Like mm-hmm. when Batman hits his head and he's looking at Catwoman and, and she kind of splits into all three of the Catwomen. Yeah. I thought that was awesome. No, this thing is really clever if you have been following Batman for years in all his various incarnations. Yeah, it was... It's pretty smart. There's a great line where the Catwoman says, well, what do you think we're going to do? Just, like, go and, like, pretend we're dead and go sip tea in a cafe in Paris? (laughs) I was like, oh, my God! That's amazing! It's filled with little Easter egg moments like that. Pretty good vocal performances from all the new people who are coming in to voice Joker, Penguin, and the Riddler, who, of course, they've got their... I mean, this is Batman 66, so they've got their totally ridiculous, goofy plan to to do whatever. They might steal a million dollars. (laughs) A million dollars! And that's like... And it also kind of feels like this could have been two episodes of a show more than it's one movie, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? But it's kind of... After you get past the the system shock of it, which there is definitely at first, like, oh, Jesus, here we go. Where it's just like <laughs> everything is alliterative or a pun or both. Yeah, once you get back <laughs> into that mode. Yeah, you have to – it's not easy to jump right back into that. <laughs> uh, it's At first, it's very jarring. But you actually just start going. You're like, I got to admit, this is actually pretty clever. And and it, and it teaches us that no matter what uh, iteration of Batman you're, you're uh, working with here – Alfred Pennyworth is always badass mother effer. Yeah. Like, always. As well he should be. And if he's not, I'm going to have answers. <laughs> I'm going to know why and from who. And there's, a like, all the DC Animated Universe stuff, they, they put a halfway decent amount of extra features. I mean, this isn't as good as some of the other ones they've done uh, where they'll do, like, 45 minutes on the history of a character or something. Yeah. But I suspect part of that is because... That Batman box set of Batman 66 box set they put out exhaustively covered okay. the television show with bonus features. So, like, kind of like, all right, I don't know what else they're going to do. So they really kind of just focus more on two, 20 minutes worth of just just based on this particular movie. Well, and then sneak peeks at the upcoming Batman v. Robin, Robin and Son of Batman. I, I, I did like them giving... Basically, the uh, the guys who did the voices for the bad guys, mm-hmm. giving them a spotlight. I thought that was really a class act. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, this if you if you like the original show, you'll love this. If you've never even seen the original show, but you've been warned about the puns and alliteration, <laughs> then you'll probably really enjoy this as well. It doesn't really. I don't even think it required Adam West and Burt Ward. And it did, but it was just know. nice. But it was kind of like, hey, give these guys a paycheck. <laughs> what the fuck? Burt Ward ain't doing nothing. At least, uh, at least uh, Adam West is collecting Family Guy checks every once in a while. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then there's Imperium, where. Harry Potter decides to become an undercover Nazi. Yeah, I kept uh, annoying my girlfriend by saying, like, ooh, look, Harry Potter's going to play Butch. (laughs) (laughs) 
I, you know, I was honestly a little surprised that this didn't get wider distribution. I kind of was too, but because I'm thinking it was the subject matter. I, I think they maybe thought that like it gets a little too heavy for for like a lot of theaters to want to go. I mean, sure enough, look what happened in the election. You yeah. Know? <laughs> uh, but yeah, he plays an FBI agent who's kind of just, I mean, literally like a bow tied nerd in his office, and then they're like, okay, well, there's a job with like these neo Nazis, Tony Collette playing his his supervisor. Don't you want to make it's a like, real difference? Don't you want to make a difference with American terrorism here? And it's like it's going to involve him like shaving his head and getting tattoos and going undercover as a Nazi. And he's like, absolutely. Hey, he wasn't a Nazi. He was just a white supremacist. <laughs> he's a white supremacist. Whatever. <laughs> Undeclared. And because she believes that they're ga- they're getting ready to have some big shit go down. Mm-hmm. And as it goes along, you realize like he's got to try and form genuine relationships with these people where they're not going to believe him. He's not going to get to where he wants to be. Yeah, that's how he's got to sell it. And it's really kind of scary and fascinating watching this play out. I mean, you're constantly worried for this fucking guy because you're like the slightest slip and these dudes will probably just kill him. I thought more bad stuff would have happened to him, honestly. Yeah, I'm really shocked that he (laughs) did as well as he did. Uh, I'm also kind of shocked. Doesn't this feel like it's based on a true story? But apparently it's not. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, no. What, what what I found fascinating was uh, so I mean it's uh, umbrella white supremacy, and then you have your different flavors. Like you've just yeah. got your your no good Nick skinheads, and then there's uh, the Aryan Brotherhood, and mm-hmm. then the KKK, and and like seeing how these these vastly different ideologies just uh, mix together at a barbecue. <laughs> well, I mean, it, in some ways, this movie is a good trainer for what's going on. With racism in America. Yeah. Who are all these different groups and what do they believe in and how do they interact? I mean, it's Mm -hmm. kind of more than anything. I mean, even though, like I said, there's a lot of tension, suspense, a lot of good performances. It felt like this was an educational film about your own backyard. (laughs) Uh, Even like going so far as to have a really racist radio host and insinuating most of the guys who are big mouthpieces, they don't believe in any of this shit. They're just trying to make a dollar. Yeah. Which I totally believe. Oh, you, you have to. Although, I mean... Certain ones that we may know yes. uh, might actually be book nutty. Yeah. Well, that's true. Um, but, yeah, I, I thought this was actually kind of excellent. Man, I just did not know that Sam Merlot was a, a white supremacist. <laughs> the, the who? Uh, Sam Merlot. Uh, he was the guy from, from uh, True Blood. Oh, I never watched he, True he Blood. Was, he was the, the engineer guy. Was that uh, who? I one know. of the guys here on the cast here? Yeah, I don't Sam remember. Trammell? Uh, I think so, yeah. Uh, yep, that's yeah, him. That's his guy, okay. And then Nestor Carbonell's in this, of course, with his big, weird, like, eye, permanent eye eyeliner. Yeah, Batman well. Yeah, Batman well. I don't know. I recommend this. I thought it was really tense and really good. I mean, it, sometimes it irritated me a bit the way it felt the need to. And the thing that drives me crazy usually in films when they're like, okay, and now as this character is talking, let's cut to the stock footage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, please stop cutting to the stock footage. I think at the very, very end, not not so much the resolution of the story, but just kind of like the, the, the afterthoughts, they mm-hmm. kind of shut the bet on that. Yeah, yeah. But but the movie itself was, was uh, pretty good. Yeah, overall I thought it was quite good. Uh, so two TV shows you did not get to see, mm-hmm. uh, one of which was me saving you from it. It was funny, though, because Harris gave me shit because he loved Into the Badlands okay. on AMC. I was kind of excited to see it because it sounds totally like my type of thing. Like it's kind of a lone wolf and cub. Yeah, I mean, know. I remember the, 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 the punch or the treat out for it and it sounded appealing. With Daniel Wu, who is a solid and respectable martial artist and longtime actor and 
mm-hmm. and martial arts films and American films. Uh, and it's a post-apocalyptic film as See, well. There you go. Where they're like, he's wandering around the wasteland as the ultimate badass, you know, with this cool red, like, leather jacket, you know, uh-huh. like, trench coat. And, like, nobody can fuck with him. And he rescues this kid that these biker mutants have stolen okay. and brings him back to his literal fiefdom because that's the way this world works. There are all these fiefdoms ruled by like barons that, okay. can, that control. Basically you either, you have two jobs. There are two jobs available for anyone. You can either work the fields mm-hmm. or it, when you're very young, if you prove yourself, you can train to become a warrior. So there's like a warrior cast and a farmer peasant cl- cast okay. here. And that's okay. all there is. Uh, the, Daniel Wu's character, Sonny, is largely the the pretty much the head general of the warrior cast for his baron and he kind of finds out that this kid he's gotten one of the other barons really wants to find this kid and he's like well what's the big deal is he with made this a chocolate kid? now it turns out whenever he tastes whenever he bleeds he his eyes go all white and he turns into this insane superpowered martial arts master which he's like only like 14 so that's weird okay yeah <laughs> yeah and I couldn't get past, like, the fifth episode of this fucking thing. And why? Because it's so poorly written. Oh, my God. Mm. It's just terrible dialogue, stilted dialogue and performances. And all the... You know, if you're going to do big, elaborate martial arts fights with people who actually know how to do martial arts, that's great. Mm want to see that, right? There's absolutely no reason to throw in bright electric CG blood where <laughs> there's there's no reason for it to be there at all in every single hit. It's for pizzazz. I ju- oh, it just drives me crazy. It felt like a, a ninja uh, was a ninja assassin. Uh-huh. It felt like that all over again. We're mm-hmm. like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> Why do you feel this is a good thing? Because it's not. Well, I mean, they have The Walking Dead on their show, and they don't do that on The Walking Dead, which has more call for blood than this show does. <laughs> Why is there constantly bright splashes of this very maybe, thick Maybe blood the blood guy gore. quit before they started. <sighs> I really wanted to get into this thing, and my apologies to Harris, who I know really enjoyed this, but I, man, I just, I, I couldn't even finish the, go watch the last episode. I was like, <laughs> nah. I just don't care what happens next. <laughs> I it's hope you just, guys all blood. It's just not good enough. Uh, what is good enough, though, is the last thing we're reviewing today, which is Better Call Saul. The second season is finally out on Blu-ray. If you're not watching the show, if somehow out there you don't know what this is. It was the spinoff prequel, if you will, to the tremendous Breaking Bad, mm-hmm, which is mm-hmm. arguably one of the greatest TV shows ever made. Better Call Saul is... You know, we've just seen two seasons, and to me, it's kind of at the same level of I'm into it that I was at the second season of Breaking Bad, where I wouldn't be ready to call it one of the all-time greats yet, but it's really good. (laughs) And you're going like, man, where the fuck is this going? This following the character, Bob Odenkirk's character, Saul, from the original uh, Breaking Bad, who was his lawyer and helped him secrete away all his money, you know, wash, launder all his money. This is beforehand. How did he get there? When he was a schmucky little living in the back of a Chinese uh, nail salon lawyer. When he was Jimmy. Yeah. And then in this season, he's gotten a job sort of not really blackmailed. He basically found a huge case brought it to the firm that his his brother played by Michael McKeon who's now who's going through some sort of extreme psychological trauma and doesn't want to have any electric items near him and can't no, be yeah, out in the he's, sunlight he's allergic to RF he's like yeah he's he's one of the CEOs of it and then the woman who's his lover works there 
and he kind of bl- basically says, oh, you want this case? Well, you better give me a fucking job with my own office. So this season is kind of what happens when Saul gets that job he always wanted and finds that uh, he just can't help himself from fucking up. <laughs> he just like when he sees he's a con man. And when he sees an opportunity for a con, he takes it or quick way to the buck. Hey, he's the American dream. And, and you're just watching this poor guy. You know, ruin everything that's just been handled handed to him because he just keeps making so many bad decisions. I mean, he's not dumb. He just he sees something that's like, oh, wait, this would totally work, and he does it and doesn't think about repercussions yeah. at all. Um, as well, we're also following the story of Mike, who is one of the most beloved characters from Breaking Bad. <laughs> Quite. Uh, who here is you know, former police officer. He's working as a parking lot attendant. But he starts taking side jobs to make more money and start – you can see how he starts getting into where he is by the point of Breaking Bad, which is working for a drug kingpin, you know, killing or beating people up as necessary. Yeah. This is kind of his process point is he's doing anything he can to make sure that his his daughter and granddaughters are surviving and doing okay to pay for their life. Thriving. So you're like, oh, it all started from a good place. Kind of like Breaking Bad. <laughs> <laughs> you can't make those excuses for Saul so much. But Bob Odenkirk is great. He He's he's one of those comic actors who manages to handle both dramatic stuff and comedy with the same level of like deafness. Where you're like, oh, you never seem like a cartoon cutout. You seem like a real person. Yeah, he's, uh, it, it's amazing uh, the, his, his, uh, his ability to add to this character. When it's not something that that he's written, yeah, yeah, exactly. Because most of the stuff he's most famous for are roles that he he was indeed one of the head directors, writers, yeah. producers. And yeah, this is I mean, this is all Vince Gilligan, who who in a rare turn for a spinoff show is the showrunner for it. Like that almost never happens. Yeah, where yeah. the showrunner is like, no, I'm fucking doing the spinoff. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, really? <laughs> Yeah, it's so fun. I gotta do it. I mean, but that's just like to all you guys out there who love Breaking Bad. Better Girl Saul is out there. It's out on Blu-ray. It's on a couple streaming services. It's like you really should be watching it if you liked Breaking Bad that much because it's really right up there. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode of Digital Noise. I would like to thank Joe for joining me. You're welcome. And I will be back in a. About a week, maybe a little less, with my episode with Marco, where we've got a bunch of uh, movies to talk about then. And then after that will be the return of Richard. What? I know. Finally, right? (laughs) (laughs) We're like, whew. Uh, Anyway, thank you so much. Please click on the Amazon links. Please become a subscriber. I can't tell you how much that helps. And by the way, we're having regular a lot more contests to win stuff. Like, there's a contest up right now to win a... Um, I know you don't care, but a Mondo original, so limited edition, you can't buy it poster for Star Trek Beyond. I'll take it if I can burn it. <laughs> no, you cannot. <laughs> but there'll be many more contests like that regularly that are only open to subscribers. So become a subscriber and win stuff. Okay, I will. Okay, thanks, Jeff. <laughs>